The games are underway and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That is up to $50,000, Taylor. $50,000 up for grabs. And the best part is, is that it's free to play. Wow, what a deal. So DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. You just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. I mean, it's summer. Who doesn't love pools? Mm. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think will happen during that day's events and track your results throughout the evening to see if you will achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we have a new wrinkle in the Jack Eichel saga. He still remains a member of the Buffalo Sabres. The trade has not happened quite yet, but over the weekend, Friday news dump. His agents had put out a statement and seemingly just keep making things worse. I don't know what your read on it was, but before we get into talking about it, let's just go through what exactly the statement said. So Jack Eichel's agents, Peter Fish and Peter Donatelli said, and I quote, <laughs> yeah, not to, yeah, Donatello and Raphael over here. Peter uh, Fish. <laughs> all right. So Joey this, ham sandwich. <laughs> the statement reads as follows. In response to the Sabres statement regarding being in control of the process, Jack Eichel, under contract and other comments, we offer the following response. The process is not working. As previously stated, we fully anticipated a trade by the start of the NHL free agency period. After the agreed upon and prescribed period for conservative rehabilitation lapsed in early June 2021, it was determined by the Sabres medical staff that a surgical procedure was required. The recommendation by Jack's independent neurosurgeon, other spine specialists consulted, and the surgery Jack feels most comfortable having in order to correct a herniated disc in his neck is to proceed with artificial disc replacement surgery. A further point of concern is that our camp was initially under the impression that the Sabre specialist was in agreement with the artificial disc replacement surgery until that was no longer the case. What is being left out of the discussion is that Jack would be able to play in the NHL for the start of the season pending medical clearance if he were allowed to have the surgery he desires, even as of this date. Repeated requests have been made to the Sabres since early June to no avail. This process is stopping Jack from playing in the NHL and is not working. End quote. Taylor, go. So... This really gets at what's so annoying about this trade. It's not even just trying to trade your franchise player who makes 10 million a year and is your captain and trying to figure out how you could possibly get a fair deal and all this other stuff. It's like this neck injury is just hanging over everything. And it's so hard to know what to think about it. Just cause like none of us really know. Mm -hmm. 
none of us know how much of a, a negotiating tactic this is or, or whatever, or if this is like how serious it is or really what the best course of action is. Cause I didn't really take a science class after like junior year of high school. So I'm kind of stuck on that, uh, mm-hmm. but it just, it strikes me as odd that it's like, so is the assumption that the team he gets traded to will just let him get this surgery right away? It seems that way, but also that's not, how do they know that? Anywhere been explicitly stated. Exactly. Yeah. It, it makes me think that like either he should get this now or they should stop complaining about it. Cause there's, he, they just would have to go to another one. They, if he, let's say he got traded to the Rangers tomorrow, he would have to go to New York, go meet with everyone, go to see their team doctors, get their whole deal. They probably, maybe the, I mean, compare notes with his, his second opinion he got, but like, that's going to take time as well. And I know that's kind of what they're saying. Like, time is of the essence here but like i mean the season is starting in two months and two weeks as it is it's starting in just over 10 weeks it's creeping up just sorry just under 10 weeks so it's like well okay then you're not you don't have time anyway and you have no guarantee that any other team in the league is going to let you do this so i don't and i you know what the other thing is if you try to force a trade five years left on your deal while you're injured with a very strange injury you don't get to complain about the timeline. Sorry, no one made you force a trade. You decided to force a trade. Right. And that's the thing. It's hard to, I guess, pinpoint whether there's one side that is, I guess, more explicitly in the wrong here, because I think there's a lot of blame to go around in this situation. On the one hand, you do have the Sabres where, you know, I, while I can appreciate them trying to seem like they're taking control of the process they are the reason why this has spiraled out of control to this point to begin with. Let's, let's be clear about that for sure. You know, the fact that you're just going to let something like this continue to linger and linger and linger to the point when you did they know, have to, do you think that they did? Did they have to let it linger? I don't think so. What I, what? Oh man, this guy's not a cranberries fan. Never mind. It didn't oh, land. Let's I'm move sorry. on. Wow. I apologize. No, let's move on. I'm embarrassed. Um, no, it's, I mean, I guess when it comes down to it, it, it's their problem. Like it's their fault that it's been six seasons and they haven't sniffed the playoffs. Like it's not Jack's fault. Mm-hmm. Exactly. However, that's, that's really I, where it starts. Well, of course. And, and then with that being said though, to the point that I made at the top of, of the segment here, Eichel's agents, I get what they're trying to do with I guess having more of a sense of urgency and trying to get him out of here, but like you are not helping this guy get traded at all. Like putting out these statements and undercutting Kevin Adams, not even for the sake of it being like, Oh, that's like district, like just the way that they have been going about this and handling this, you're making it more and more difficult to trade this guy. And beyond that too, to your point, you just made, I agree that the Sabres are in a just colossal mess of their own doing and the reason that things are as bad as they are right now is not because of Jack. It is because of the organization. With that being said, though, something that I have been thinking about with this, and please correct me if you feel otherwise or whatever, but you have a guy that was taken second overall by this team, was very soon after getting drafted, pretty much given the keys to the franchise. 
it's well documented that him and Dan Biles McClashed and it didn't go over well. And that was, he was, had a huge hand in getting him fired. He gets named the captain over Ryan O'Reilly. So he's given the locker room pretty much. He has made the face of the franchise and is handed an eight year, $10 million a year deal. Okay. I understand that the organization has done a horrible job. I, I know damn well how terribly they have done with putting together a winning product on the ice, clearly considering it's been 10 years and no playoffs. Right. They have been, aside from obviously, you know, getting into the playoffs and, and getting the job done, in most cases, it feels like they have been overwhelmingly, we'll call it, putting Jack at the forefront of decisions pretty much. And, and having him be a huge part of the process of really what goes into uh, plenty of different facets with the franchise, whether it's, you know, like I said, something as far as like making him a leader as early on as they did. Um, you know, he is the face of the team undeniably and has been since, his, since he was drafted. And so to me, I just, it's leaving a real, real bad taste in my mouth that Yes, this is a messy situation to begin with, but his team and him are making this like deliberately messier than it has to be. And it honestly just kind of feels like a slap in the face and makes me feel like, you know, wow, this guy really ha- like is an asshole. And maybe that's uncalled for, whatever. I'm just my personal, I, I will gladly say that I'm, I'm like biased with it and not looking at it, I guess, from the most objective of approaches, but like, He's coming off like a huge prick and I am not a fan and it's for the sake of not only just the franchise and knowing what the future of the the team is going to be, because this trade is going to have such huge ramifications on that. But beyond that, I just like want this dude gone because I want him off of my team. I don't want him. I don't even want to think about the potential of him being in the locker room, come training camp. And there's this cloud hanging over, not only like his head, but also you have all the young guys this rubbing off on and everything. It's just really, really leaving a bad taste in my mouth to the point that when I think about like when Sam Reinhardt comes back here, if anybody were to boo him, I would be so, so annoyed. But when Jack comes back and if people boo him, I'm not going to get mad about it. I'll put it that way. Not that I'm encouraging it, but I'm not going to be like, come on, we need to, we need to show him more respect and treat him better because quite frankly, the guy has been a prick. He has been an asshole. And I feel like for a long time, a lot of people have in this. And I also want to say too, I don't want this to sound like the whole, Oh, I'm, you know, just had a breakup. And so I'm going to trash the person now or anything like that. Like I, there a lot of people, us included have, gone out of their way to stick up for this guy, to give him the benefit of the doubt when people, you know, whether fairly or unfairly have, have levied criticisms against him, whether it's his leadership, his, how he carries himself, his persona, the on ice stuff, um, his hair, his hair. Yeah, exactly. And now though, it just is getting to the point where it's like, I, I get this isn't an ideal situation, but this organization has given you everything everything in terms of what you would want being the star player in a face of the franchise. And the fact that he's just so willing and through his agents too willing to just trash the franchise and just make this into more than even trashing the franchise, just making this situation so unnecessarily messy. It 
just pisses me off to no end. I agree. I I think uh, is this a good spot to leave that? <laughs> I don't, I don't know think so. No, I mean we could keep talking. I, I think it's it's a, it's a conversation worth having because on top of that, and maybe this is could even be a segue to talk a little bit further. We uh, we had tweeted out something that uh, we had come across the other day. It was some comments that uh, had actually picked up a decent amount of, of traction from people online from uh, John Sebastian Dia, who had a brief stint with the Sabres, was mainly with the Amherst, but was up for, uh, I believe it was like a four or five game stint over the course of, I think, two seasons. Um, he was up, of course, for, you know, preseason and whatnot, too. But he had an interview uh, with a French outlet and had a quote pretty much talking about Jack Eichel's leadership. And I wanted to bring this up to kind of just get your thoughts on it, but also just talk a little bit about, I, I think there were some people who naturally will jump to two sides. One is, oh, this is overblown. This is nothing. We don't actually know what's going on in the locker room. Jack isn't a bad leader. And the other, which is, okay, this completely validates everything that I've been thinking or that we've been thinking that people have been thinking, not, I as in me, but like people who feel this way that he is a bad leader. So JSD, his comment was, I haven't had the chance to chat with him a lot. I don't think he's a bad person when you get to know him, but all I can tell you is he's not a Sidney Crosby. You see the difference in leaders when you walk into the room with Sidney Crosby, no matter who you are, your name, your pick rank, he'll take care of you. He will talk to you as if he were talking to a partisan young person he meets in the street. He's not a bad person, but there might also be reasons why Buffalo was in such a situation. I've worked with leaders during my career, and you often see the difference. You see the way he behaves off the ice. He's an excellent hockey player, but at the leadership level, I'm sure that with maturity and age, he'll get better. But it's still pressure to be a captain and perform at that age. But I don't think he's the leader you could find in the Penguins. So after we had put this out, a bunch of people were talking about it in the replies. We were talking to some people about it, too. Um, and the one thing kind of going back against this quote was that was a couple of points. One being that this is a guy that was not a mainstay in the locker room. The other is that he's making a comparison to Sidney Crosby here. And I have two points on that. The first with him not being a mainstay in the locker room, I feel as though it's kind of telling that a guy who was only up for very brief stints at a time was able to have such a specific reaction and description of how he would label Jack's leadership qualities, because it kind of ties into the second point that I was going to make where people were saying, oh, well, he's talking about Sidney Crosby. That's unrealistic. I think that Crosby is being used here as just like the prime example of a great leader, but not saying that Jack's deficiencies are because he's not the leader that Crosby is because Dia goes on to say, in this quote, some very specific things talking about, see the difference in leaders. When you walk into a room, no matter who you are, your name, your pick rank, he'll take care of you. He'll talk like talking about it as though there's like favoritism being played or guys who maybe have been selected higher in the draft or have more status, whatever you want to call it are treated to a, a noticeably different level than guys who aren't. Maybe I'm reading too much in between the lines here, but like, why do you mention something like that so specifically, especially also that he goes on to talk about things with like how people carry themselves off the ice to, I don't know. I, and again, I could just be reading in or without reading into it too much, but I so much did not take away from this being like, yeah, Jack's not Crosby and that's not good enough. He needs to, you know, we, he was touted as this generational talent. No, that's not it. 
It's the fact that this guy who was not around for that long was able to pick up some very, very specific examples of things that he felt as though not only that he didn't like, but the fact that he felt the need to say them publicly to a reporter. Yeah, that's that's telling in some ways. Well, it is also interesting that he had the opposite experience with Crosby, but in a similar way because he only played six games for the Penguins. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like maybe he's picking up on something uh, both ways and kind of seeing that. He also played 20 games for New Jersey, and that, that's it. Those are all the games he's played in his NHL career. But, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's such a weird thing to hear that from someone who's played four games. And maybe uh, it's something that's so obvious you can pick up on it right away, but I'm kind of torn on it because that's so few games. And, again, like – the comparison is like Eichel to Crosby. It's like, of course, he's a worse leader. And of right. course, things were worse. Both times Dia was up here, things were not good. Uh, but on the other hand, he he did come out and say it. And guys usually wouldn't do that, even on French language radio. Like, it's that that's something. It's it's really, it's not nothing. I Publicly saying that about an active captain, like. Yes. It's, it's, it is definitely pretty damning. Yeah. Well, I wonder if we'll hear more from both uh, people going on and off the record in the next, in the coming months. I would have to think that we're going to get probably, you know, once this trade happens, the leaks will start to come out of people, you know, this, that, and the other story about Jack and his leadership or whatever, I'm sure leaked by both Jack's camp and the Sabres as well. But I don't know. I mean, you know, for a long time, as I had said before in the, in my point kind of saying, you know, you should, that, I would like to see a little bit more, I guess, respectfulness and professionalism out of Jack and his team with all of this, but it is a real thing, fair or otherwise, like I said before, that people have questioned this guy's leadership ability. And I think, and Dia made the point in here too, he wasn't put into an easy situation being as young as he was and being named the captain in reality too, you know, a couple people in the replies had pointed this out. At the time, I firmly thought that Jack should have been the captain, but people were in the corner of O'Reilly being the one that should have been named captain at the time because they felt like Jack was too young and he had shown some issues with immaturity. You know, yeah, you're 18 years old, but I will also say, though, that there's also 18 year olds who come into the NHL and they don't have that outward immaturity that we saw with Jack so early on. And that's not to say also that you can't grow from that because, you know, I I think that this conversation deserves a lot of, of nuance, just considering all of the different components of everything. And, you know, I feel like either side of this conversation also are very headstrong about it. Um, And I would say for a while, probably you too. I don't know if you feel like it's starting to change for you, but like I had said before, you know, I felt like I was sticking up for Jack a lot with stuff like that, that maybe now in hindsight, you know, you get caught up in the moment a little bit and you don't really realize it, but after you get removed from it a little bit, you get some space and then more information starts to come out. Maybe, maybe some of that stuff was a little bit more accurate than the people who were against it had thought. I don't know. I I, I mean, I think this situation in and of itself is pretty telling. I think that from the way that you also hear insiders and people around the league talk about Jack, I think 
he maybe does have a bit of a, of, of a not so great reputation from like a leadership perspective. I can't tell you the, the amount of times that I've heard people talking about a potential trade and they're saying, you know, and get him into a situation where it's a, a veteran locker room where he doesn't have to carry the burden of being a leader. And it's like, to me, people trade for guys who are captains oftentimes because they feel like it's an additional, you know, injection of, of, of leadership and, and morale, whatever you want to call it into the room. But it's telling that you have people who are saying, yeah, this guy's a captain, but get him in here. So he doesn't have to worry about being a leader as much anymore. I think that in and of itself is kind of telling of the kind of leader that he is, or at least the way that he is perceived to be around the league. Yeah. Like I said, I think we're going to learn more about this at, at some point, like it is like leadership is important. And I, I wonder like, could you have given O'Reilly the captain? Like what, what happens with Eichel in that situation? That's what happens with the locker room. I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's, it's hard to have someone that you've invested so much in and is such a good young player and to not give them the captain, it would kind of make them look bad. Yeah. But I mean, the Leafs just did that in all fairness. True. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. I, maybe they should have done it. <laughs> I mean, really like you never know. And also just because O'Reilly got it back then, I mean, granted, you know, he's probably playing out the rest of his contract, but that doesn't bring him that far into the future. And hypothetically speaking, you know, obviously we can hindsight is 2020 and and play the hypothetical game all we want, but there's going to be a point that O'Reilly would have moved on, even if he would have stayed and that Jack still would have been here and been extremely young. Would he be extremely young, Jack, when O'Reilly was gone? I mean, O'Reilly's deal goes uh, is done. I think next year is the last year of his contract, and that would put Jack at being only twenty five. Like that's I, no. I feel O'Reilly's like got another year left. What's that? He's got another year left after that. Oh, does he have two? Well, either way, then he he moves to twenty six. Then Jack would be twenty six at the time that, hypothetically speaking, a deal would be running out. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like we said, I mean Toronto did just do it, and. Yeah, well, now it seems like, I mean, god damn. This sucks. Yeah. It's August now. I I know. Do you so I well, I guess thinking it further, do you think that it, the trade happens this week? No. No. You think it's going to keep dragging out? Yeah. I I'm never really going to be confident that it's going to happen. I'd like to be put out of my misery and we can move on and start talking about chicken sandwiches, but I don't think it's going to happen. I will say one potential idea that I had saw on Twitter over the weekend, and I'm pissed now that I'm, I'm forgetting who it was, but somebody had pointed out that given Evander Kane's current situation, that if his contract ends up getting voided by the sharks, they would have enough cap space to potentially make a run at Eichel the Sharks have a very, very, very old core of guys on not great contracts. So maybe you try and do that. And I'll be honest, picks from San Jose probably are as about as appealing as you can get from a team that uh, could be in on Jack. They should not do that. Who the Sharks? Yeah. I'm just saying it, it, the way that I <laughs> described it, I, I got to find it. I'm going to keep, we'll we can move on, but I'll, I will find the person's name. It was very well like put together. Why in a way that it made sense for San Jose. And especially, I mean, it goes without saying why it makes sense for Buffalo, but something to think about at least as another personnel or another possibility. 
Hmm. Do we want to talk about Evander Kane, our old pal? I do you? I mean, I I guess. Yeah. He he just he will not uh, get out of the news. No. Guy loves being in the news. So I was trying to think of all the things, notable things that have happened to him in his career, like in a mostly off the ice perspective. And then it's like a hundred times too many things to remember. But I guess the important thing here is while he's in the midst of this bankruptcy deal that's going on and, and all that, he also uh, was accused by his wife on Instagram of betting on games that he played in which is certainly a pretty big accusation. It seems like they're in the middle of a divorce or separation. And she made a bunch of accusations about him not seeing his young daughter enough and him going to party and them, you know, having things repossessed while he's out, uh, you know, spending money at clubs and whatnot. It's a, it's a bad situation. And like our other old friend, Robin Leonard (laughs) today on Twitter uh, came out and kind of defensive him to be like, Hey, Oh really? Yeah. It was, it's kind of like an innocent until proven guilty thing. And it's like, hey, don't judge him until you know. It's like, I appreciate what Leonard's saying, but it's like, this Kane thing, nothing that he's done has been, let's say, proven in court, quote unquote. But there's so many things, and that's a real, if there's smoke, there's fire situation. At some point, you have to look at him basically getting thrown off his old team, the the closest you can come in hockey as a star player to being thrown off a team, having Dustin Bufflin throwing his clothes in the washer getting suspended because he wore a tracksuit for some reason. Sorry, he threw his clothes in the shower, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, then coming to Buffalo, having the weird situation where a woman believed she was drugged and raped and she was in his hotel room. Nothing came of it. Uh, having another situation where he was out on Chippewa and apparently choked one girl and then grabbed another girl by the head and allegedly tried to pull her into the car that he was leaving with. Was accused of his ex, accused by his ex girlfriend of being physically abusive on Instagram. Uh, there's other minor things like he missed a practice and got suspended because he was partying in uh, Toronto and overslept his alarm and like other dumb things that were not important like pretending to call someone on a, a giant brick of uh, hundred dollar bills. Yeah, it's dumb stuff like that early in his career that people got mad. But then it's it just keeps happening and now it's like he's bankrupt. He's he's like 20 million in the hole despite all the money he's made in his career he's a gambling addict he doesn't see his daughter there's been obviously other things that have floated around that i probably shouldn't say on here because they're a little bit less concrete but it's like at some point you have to look at that and go like yeah maybe he's just a piece of shit like maybe he's just a bad guy maybe maybe he just has a lot of problems either way he's causing a lot of problems for other people very true it's it, just a mess. It, it really is. It just seems like not to use this because it it sounds, it, I feel like a, a classic old school sports guy kind of thing, but it just feels like trouble just follows this dude everywhere that he's been. You just laid it out there. He's had issues, major ones at every single stop. And that's the thing is like, the stuff that came out today, I mean, through Instagram or whatever, you know, talking about just like not seeing his daughter and his and his wife and and the negligence there and potentially like tanking and betting on betting, betting on his own games and then tanking those games. It's huge. But what's even crazier is that, you know, you had kind of made the point before that in the grand scheme of things, 
as I, it's telling, I guess, of his situation that betting on his own games and, and intentionally trying to lose them isn't even in like the top three worst things that this guy has been accused of. I mean, when we're talking about like physical abuse and, and, and rape and things of that nature, uh, it's, it's horrible. It's really, really terrible. And I understand, you know, the point of, of innocent until proven guilty, but like you said, with, you know, smoke and fire, it's, it's just not a great situation. And more than anything else, I mean, I, I just feel for, for his wife and for his kid and, and I'm sure more and more is going to come out. But like you said, I think the the kind of common denominator is that like this guy has got some serious, serious issues that he hopefully for not the sake of his career or anything else, but for his own personal self and life and people around him can just get figured out and on a path to just away from this destruction, the self-destruction that's just been following him everywhere he goes. Yeah. Kind of hard to talk about. Like, like it, it really it is. is. It's not a fun thing to talk about. No. It's just, yeah, very disappointing. Um, anything? What else is going on? And uh, well, the the Austin Bills. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The the most boring way we could talk about this. Hey, there might be some uh, renovations coming to the KeyBank Center finally <laughs> after twenty six years, twenty five years. Woohoo! Guess what? We might be paying for it. Yeah, so I'm sure everyone who's listening has heard this, but basically it came out that the Pagulas have a pitch to Erie County, or is it Erie County or New York State? Sorry, it's New York State, right? I think it's it might be both, honestly. Yeah, to the government, the big bad government, mm-hmm. to have them pay for the entirety of Bills, a new Bills stadium, and also upgrades to KeyBank Center. That's their pitch, and it's been reported by Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio that apparently they might use Austin, Texas as leverage, like moving there if they don't get their way. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that's just kind of way this, you know, bullshit always works, but it's, it's a real low negotiating tactic, especially to open with. And hashtag one Buffalo, man. Yeah. Will, as I, if I were to guess, I don't have any inside information, but it's like, we'll pay some percentage of this as taxpayers, because that's what always happens. Uh, but it, I would be surprised if it's all of it. I assume this is just a, you know, first offer, the negotiation. Yeah, I mean, I would think so too. But, you know, a lot of people were defending it, saying, oh, it's just like a negotiation tactic, whatever. I'm sorry, but when you're building, like I had said before, this entire one Buffalo brand and, oh, we love it here, blah, 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 on top of the fact that you've duped so many people into thinking that you've somehow saved this city and then use this as a as a negotiating tactic, not even to just like outright say it too. like they were to me, I get it. It's business speak. I understand. But it just came off so cowardly to be like. We have no intentions of moving the team, but we do know that a city like Austin would really be able to do this for us. Get out of here with that. Get the hell out of here with that. That baloney. It just goes to show all of these people. And I'm sorry, if you're listening to this and you are in this group, you have been duped into thinking that these people actually like care about us and care about the city. All they care about is their own money. That is it. They, they don't have any... 
like you no matter how badly we want to feel this way or romanticize it like they they don't care they are totally detached from the the community and being a part of it i they aren't a part of it for that matter i mean my god they don't even live here the majority of the time so I don't know. It's just more and more damning for them. Just that they just don't seem to be the best of people, which again, when it comes to, you know, not to get too whatever, but when it comes to people who have that much money, usually tends to be the case that they're not the best people. And and that is shown to be true with the Pagulas. And I also, you and I, I know have talked about this in in the past on this podcast before. And I think it bears repeating because it has been brought up the people who say that, if it weren't for the Pagulas, the Bills and the Sabres wouldn't be in Buffalo, which Not true. is just factually false. Do you want to kind of break that down as just a little reminder for everybody for why that is just wrong? Well, the the Bills might be on their way out if it weren't for the Pagulas. Right. It's not clear. The like, Sabres, though, definitively were not. Right. So basically the Sabres were in da- somewhat danger of moving in the early 2000s uh, after the Regis scandal when they went to jail for what they did at Adelphia. Uh, some very important financial stuff that I very much understand. Uh, so they get in trouble. They're going to jail. The Sabres are bankrupt. They're being run by the league. There's no buyer. And it seemed like a possibility they might move. Now, to his credit, Batman didn't want them to move. Yep. He, they tried to explore every avenue to make sure they wouldn't. So that's how you end up getting kind of non-sports fan Tom Golisano, or not hockey fan, I should say, Tom Golisano to buy the team and frankly save them. Uh he, he bought them for less than $100 million. That's how inexpensive and not valuable they were at the time. And then watched it really, not because of him, but they had a nice quick turnaround and some of the best years in franchise history under him. And then he, you know, when he could kind of almost triple his investment, uh, sold the team uh, to someone who was more of an we thought at the time an interested fan so by the time pagula bought the team not only were they in no danger of moving and not only were they doing well profit margin wise and increasing in value there was also a stipulation from galasano that he couldn't move the team so whoever galasano was going to sell to when he was getting ready to sell wasn't going to be able to move the team ever which right the bills do not have and also unlike barry batman i do not think roger goodell or Paul Tagliabue, for that matter, ever really cared or care or currently care uh, if there's a team in Buffalo. I, I doubt they care. Teams move in the NFL all the time now. Oakland lost their team. St. Louis lost their team. San Diego just lost their team. In our lifetime, it's happened quite a few times. Mm-hmm. I mean, Houston and Cleveland even briefly lost their teams. Can you imagine that? Houston, the fourth biggest city in the country. Great. I mean, Los Angeles lost both its teams in the 90s and then got two of them back. Teams move a lot more. I mean, no teams moved to hockey, like teams moved a ton in the nineties, but like those are failing markets. Mm-hmm. And one of them obviously has gotten a team back since, but like, I guess what matters specifically is Batman wants the Sabres in Buffalo. And now that's going to happen. And I don't think the NFL cares if the bills are in Buffalo. However, I don't think they're going to move, but to, to your point, yes, the Pagulas may have saved the bills, but they didn't do it because that was they didn't do it like Golisano. They didn't make a big investment into something they didn't care about because they thought, well, this is a, a civic institute that should stay here. It was make some money here. Yeah. And they will. And they have. Yep. Exactly. Because Brendan, 
do you know this? Because I think 99% of sports fans would get this wrong if I asked. If Terry Pagula didn't step in, who would own the Bills? Is that definitively known? I mean, it's a probable thing based on how this all went down, based on how the entire sale process went down. Bon Jovi? Bon Jovi and the Rogers group. Yeah. He'd be the face. Rogers group would be most of the money. And they probably, it's a, there's a, there is something that Ralph Wilson kind of baked into their last lease that they did at the beginning of last decade when they did their, not just the lease, but the, uh, the renovations and all that, that it, it basically was hard to move the team for a few years. At some point, they might have moved. They would have moved, though. I mean, the Rogers group didn't buy them to keep them in Buffalo. Rogers group and Bon Jovi, that is. Uh, but they probably would have moved at some point with those guys. I think everyone else in the sports world thinks Donald Trump would have bought the Bills if it wasn't for Terry Pagula. Or some people think that the NFL didn't let him buy the Bills. Folks, he, he didn't, didn't have, have that kind to. of money. He did not have the money to. I don't know how serious he was, or even if he did have the money, if they would have let him. But his last uh, bid was less than half of what Pagula bid. Pagula has significantly more money than him and was more liquid too. Like Pagula made a, a gigantic land sale at the time. It was like a, a billion dollars. Right. So anyway. Well, some people did point out though, if the bills did move to Austin, then as an owner of an NFL team, you are not allowed to be the owner of multiple teams in different markets. So if the bills did move to Austin, then he would have to sell the Sabres. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sell them to me. I think you'd be a great owner. I could do it. I, I say, have hey, $20, Terry. What do you think? Be good. You know what? Hey, we got one more former Buffalo person embarrassing themselves. Or at least kind of. Who's that? Bottrill. At least is involved. Oh, man. So. Yeah, go ahead. Kraken had their contract with Philip Grubauer uh, vacated, basically, right? Contract yeah. doesn't exist. Void it is probably the right word for the contract because they front loaded it to an illegal degree. And I, we haven't had this happen in forever. We talked about the suitor and all these contracts and how stupid it was for them to change the rules. I don't think we've had one contract that was signed after the last CBA eight years ago where this has happened. I don't think so either. Yeah. I, I thought I had read something too that within the same day that the contract was initially submitted to the NHL that the revisions to it were also submitted to, but even still. Yeah. To a contract, get that shit figured out in advance. It's funny. It's just, the rules have to be so clear about how, what percentage of the money has to be in what years. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Bottrell and our, our boy, Ron Francis, you know, it's funny though. I think, I think Seattle, uh, I think they did a bad job building a team and I think they did a bad job with setting himself up for the future with the big opportunity they had. And I think, they're probably going to make the playoffs still this year because the Pacific is so the bad. Pacific is very, very, very not good. Very, very, very not good. Well, Taylor, do you have any other thoughts that you would uh, you'd like to share? Um, my friend Ashley uh, told me to mention on here that she said that David Krejci is leaving for the Czech Republic after 15 years with the Bruins. Are you sad I, about that? No, I mean I don't care either way. He's not one of the Bruins I hated. Mm. Uh, but I do like one of my favorite weird stats. He led the playoffs in scoring twice in the Bruins' uh, first two cup runs. Very strange. Very strange, right? I mean, you wouldn't say he's one of their four best players in either of those teams, but. No. Yeah. Alas. David he didn't Crazy. win a con Smythe. Oh, well. Very underappreciated player. Yeah. Any other thoughts that you'd like to share? Do you have a recommendation for the day? Uh, hmm. 
I told you I might have one. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to go off for like a minute and a half here. Go. I saw old. Did you like it? I kind of enjoyed it. I heard that I had a friend who said that they thought it was really good. It's really interesting. So it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie and we got to know going in is that's usually like great concept, not good execution. So it's like, in some ways it's terrible. The dialogue's terrible. It's really stupid. The, like they, they end up turning like the concept into a scientific thing. And it's like, hmm, that doesn't make sense. What? It doesn't, it doesn't hold up at all. Like from a science perspective, like none of it really makes sense. Like in logic wise, it doesn't make sense. And you know, like if you've seen the trailer for it, it's not a spoiler to say it's about a beach that ages you rapidly. But mm-hmm. like, I think sometimes with different actors, they don't completely line up the same way, but it took some risks. It did some weird stuff. Very weird stuff. Of okay. course, M. Night Shyamalan was in the movie himself. Oh, uh, was he also in it? Cool. Yeah, he's not a good actor. Uh, he's like, he's much like Tarantino in many ways. And one of those ways is he's a weirdo who's bad at acting and insists on being in his own movies. Yikes. Um, but, you know, I, I think one of those guys is a much better director. I can't say which one, though, right now. But anyway, I enjoyed it a, quite a bit. It was super weird. It was just worth seeing. It was not boring at all. And, like, I think it made it. I've been thinking about it a lot since I left. And I, I don't think you could say that for a lot of movies. A lot of movies these days are not like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad to have a kind of a weird, dumb horror movie to, to mull around in my head a little bit about. Very nice. That's cool. We should, we should go to the movies soon. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, I got to see, I'm going to go see the first, pur- or not the first purge, the forever purge this week. Cause I think it's leaving theaters. Oh. What do we got coming out soon that we could see? I don't know. I'm going to look at this. Uh... You look it up. I have a music recommendation. I, this weekend, listened to my favorite album that has been released this year. Ooh. The new Isaiah. I didn't even know Toby Keith was coming out with it. Toby Keith, my, my good friend. It was uh, a joint effort with Toby Keith and uh, Shania Twain, actually, too. Don't, don't. Oh, come on. Poor Shania Twain. How's she catching that stray being compared to Toby Keith? Shania Twain's great. It was a dual album, I'm saying. That's oh, what brought me in. It was okay. Shania. No, I'm just joking. No, they did not put that together. And obviously, Shania Twain over Toby Keith every single day of the week. But Isaiah Rashado, I know I've talked about on here before, a really good rapper. He put out his second album, and it was after a pretty much five years since his first one came out. It's called The House is Burning. Mm. It was it was one of those albums where when you listen to a new piece of music for the first time, like a new album and just the rush that you experience from when you're listening and you're just like in your head, like, Oh man, this, is, <coughs> this is like really good. And you like know in the moment how good it is and can appreciate it in the moment. That was really how I felt listening to this album. Um, I've said this before. I'm pretty all over the place when it comes to like musical taste and stuff. But like, if you, are into rap. I know I had for a recommendation like way earlier in the season or last season or something like that. I had, I had done his debut album, which is the sun's tirade, which is also a great album, but this album, cool boy. I manifested when the strokes album came out in 2020, that it was going to get a Grammy nomination for best rock album. Maybe I'm off base with this, but I definitively think that this should get nominated for best rap album at the Grammys next year. I know that the Grammys don't matter in terms of like what actually like the best music that came out for that year is all the time, but 
it is just really, really, really good. No skips, no bad songs on it. Incredibly impressive with just his lyricism, his rapping ability. The production on the album is incredible too. A lot of really good features also. Highly, highly recommend if anybody's looking for, for something new to listen to this week. Just came out on Friday. We should go see the Boss Baby sequel. You want to? Yeah, kind of. It looks horrible. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> All right. We, we might. Good we might. deal. I'll, I'll keep it in mind. We'll do a live podcast from inside the theater. Yeah, I don't think people would mind. Mm-mm. No, I mean, we'll be the only ones in there, so... Yeah, all right. I don't well, think people are going to be rushing to go see the Boss Baby sequel. Or is this the third one? No, you know what? I think this is the sequel. I think there is a TV show. Oh, okay. okay. In between. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. I haven't caught up on the Boss Baby uh, cinematic universe in a while, so I just was curious. Oh, yeah. The BBCU. The BBCU. you love to see it. Well, any last thoughts you'd like to share with the folks before we sign off for the day, Taylor? Uh, my random former Sabres player of the week is Seth Griffith. That's a good one. Wow. All right. Mine is Nick Baptiste. That's the first time we've actually done those in very long, I think. Yeah. We've been slacking with them. All right. Well, everybody, thank you all so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics. Make sure you're checking out both the Hockey Podcast Network and Buffalo Fanatics on their respective websites and the streaming platform of your choice as both platforms are putting out incredible content for the Hockey Podcast Network. All of the off-season action that you are hoping to soak up and take in is where it's at at the Hockey Podcast Network. And with Buffalo Fanatics, Bills are getting back in action right now. Very, very exciting stuff. And Buffalo Fanatics is covering all that you are looking for when it comes to the upcoming season. Also, make sure if you are a better that you are checking out DraftKings and using our promo code THPN at checkout for great deals on whatever your betting interests are. Once again, that's promo code THPN. Make sure you're using that at checkout. Make sure you're also following us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres. On Twitter, you can find us at Straight Sabres. And you can follow Taylor on Twitter at Nigrelli93. Follow me at Brendan1423. We'll be back with a new episode on Thursday morning, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres.